Good morning, good evening, and happy Sunday to the 500 or so of you dedicated fans that are listening to us on the day we release our episodes each week. In fact, we've got so much interest now from people joining us as guests. We're also doing an occasional midweek release as well. Well, this week we're back talking to Synergy Cloud and it's about claims, but I took the chance of speaking to Tom Burrows, who is the entrepreneur building the product himself within an organization to learn more about what it means to build software products these days and how that has changed over Tom's 20 years career. Listen out for his book recommendation, but also some great advice from Tom about where to go to discover the best software to use. Keep listening to learn more. Well, we're very grateful to Synergy Cloud and the Claims Consortium Group for their support. Wherever you are in the world, I bet you've got some great stories to share about your company's success and how you're taking advantage of innovation. Come back at the end to find out how we can help you share that with the world and our contact details. Tom, great to speak to you. You're calling in from Taunton, I think, in the, the West Country of the UK. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Sunny Somerset, which is less than sunny today, but uh, <laughs> it normally is. Well, it's late on the day on Friday. So let's jump in. So just a little bit about Synergy, first of all, and then really interested to know more about where you've got to since we last had the discussion with one of your colleagues, Jeremy. So first of all, you're creating a claims management technology solution for the insurance industry, part of Claims Consortium Group. Synergy Cloud itself, which is the technology we're going to be talking about, links insurers directly to supply chains and customers. And what it does allow all the claims to be processed in-house by insurers and link everything together. We're going to be hearing more about that. Tom Burrows, you are Director of Technology and you built the platform and you've been with the organization since 2016, but you actually started building software in 2001. So welcome. Thank you very much. Now, your, uh, your boss, Jeremy, was on episode 166 talking about claims consortium generally. And then that was really just when Synergy had been kicked off and you had your first external client. Sorry, he's got 1,356 downloads last time I looked from November 2021. So uh, your job is to beat your boss today. Absolutely. Challenge accepted. I'll be all over that one. No problem. <laughs> Great. Nothing like a bit of competition. <laughs> I gave the high level of what you're doing, but just in terms of like what problems your clients have got and what are you doing to solve those? Can we start with that? When we look around at the market, what we find is, is in some places, claims processes are being quite labor intensive and based around systems that are inflexible and tend to be designed to suit the vendor or deployed in a way that doesn't really support the true claims process. So you can end up with a high cost of ownership and, and, and cost of change in terms of how they work. And that's been a core mission for us to deliver that capability in a different way. So what we're all about is making a platform that's really self-service configurable, that's rapid, that's quick, that's easy to set up, that enables automation, simple processes, and just breaks down some of the barriers to change, challenges some of the inflexibility and the labor-intensive nature of some of the stuff that we go on at the moment. Well, we're going to talk more about that in a minute, but I just want to Talk about your background, first of all, because what has really intrigued me talking to you, given your background in the travel industry and the complexity of systems for the travel industry, the sort of lessons as you translate that into insurance. So it'd be great to hear just that first part of your career. What problems are you solving for the travel industry? And then we can talk a little bit about how that links into insurance. So I spent about 13 years working in business travel. And it's one of these industries that you'd look at from the outside and think, well, it's fairly straightforward because you're booking hotels and flights and so on, right? But actually, it's really complicated when you get under the hood. Firstly, everything's about integration. So if you're a 
organizing a trip for yourself or someone else and you need to book a flight and a car hire and a hotel and a taxi and a train and, and all of these things is all about connectivity of systems enabling that to actually happen when you're in a corporate travel world you then have to overlay what can sometimes be quite a complicated travel policy that's going to dictate what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and, and various other pieces that come into that as well so the job was really about dealing with all the complexity of integrating lots of different systems together to make the trip work and then driving simplicity in terms of the customer experience out of what was a really complicated set of rules and processes that needed to happen. So it's a fascinating industry to work with and, and, and learn a huge amount from it from my time there. And what sometimes we tend to forget in the insurance world or any business-to-business -business solution is that the people who are actually using these solutions are ultimately the same consumers who are buying travel insurance or doing all sorts of other things. And that, your point in there, and we actually covered this recently with Jacqueline Legrand from Maptics, about the more simple and easy to use your front end, the more complicated it is in the back end. Is that your experience from the travel industry? You've got to invest very heavily in, in those analytics to make it easier for the consumer to use. Absolutely. And very similar to where we do in the claims world, find ourselves delivering to two customers. There was a, a travel manager buying the service who was interested in cost control. But then there was the traveller themselves who were out booking the trip and you need to make it easy and simple for them too. So it was about finding the ways to, to keep both of those parties happy in terms of making sure you had the right controls, but an experience that was really slick and easy for the customer to get on with and get their trip booked, get on with their day. You crack the problem in travel insurance and then you're looking for your next next uh, mountain to climb so to speak and you came across insurance what insurance why has it been so difficult for insurance companies and, and the reason you built synergy was to support some of these problems for claims but why is that taking so long when the travel industry managed to figure some of this stuff out what 10 15 years ago I think it's a number of things. Dealing with an insurance claim is complicated and it's often complicated because of the number of people that have to be involved in, in putting something right. So uh, if you take a household claim where maybe you've had a leak or a flood, you can end up with a number of different trades or parties needing to get involved in putting your house back together again. From an insurer's point of view, when they're managing a supply chain and they need to be concerned with cost and with quality of work and you know care of the customer and so on, that can make for quite a complicated arrangement to solve what, in essence, can feel like quite a simple problem. So in a not dissimilar way to what we experienced in travel, it's been about, well, how do we bring all of that together into one place? How do we make it easy for everybody to see what's going on, to work together and to get that problem fixed for the customer? And then on, on this topic of technology, we don't spend enough time really thinking about what's happening in software development itself. So you started your career just the kind of dot-com boom to bust, but the internet was starting to be used. But really, it was still very early early days then. So in sort of 22 years, for you, would you say the major shifts have been in, in how software is being developed to get us to where we are today? I think it's two things. I think there's a people aspect to it. Many people will have heard of things like Agile and so on as philosophies and, and methodologies for delivering software. There's a broad church of things that go on within there, but at the heart of it, what we're really trying to do is bring the person that has the problem, that has the need, the customer, closer to the person that can answer and create that solution for them, like a developer, for example. 
what we've seen is a shift in how much closer you can get those two people together and how we can find ways of working that enable that solution provider, that developer, to get ideas and solutions and prototypes in front of that customer much more quickly than we used to be able to. So that way we can learn really quickly from what works and what doesn't work and enable that close communication. That's come out from the second part of it, which is the more technical angle. The tooling that we use to write software these days is significantly better than it used to be. We can do things much faster than we used to be able to. And there's also a lot of commodity stuff out there that we can just pick up and bring into our applications. So when we want to do things like video calling or send a text message or integrate with a phone system or whatever it might be, those things are a lot simpler to do than they used to be. So it enables us to create those experiences and those features much more quickly than we used to be able to. So a couple of things in there I just want to pick up on. Agile, you mentioned. Some people may know what that is, some won't. Others, maybe myself included, think they know what it is, but actually probably haven't got a very precise definition. Can you talk a bit about what Agile is? And then to the point when you and I were talking before, is not every type of software development where you involve the customer in reviewing the sort of early stages is Agile. So just so that anybody who's not familiar with that or people who think they're familiar make sure they understand what it is in practice and that guess what their other choices. Agile is, is a philosophy as much as anything else. Go and uh, search for the Agile Manifesto, which is a, is a collection of statements that really describe the point of it. And it's things along the lines of, we prefer communication and collaboration over contract negotiation. We prefer working software over comprehensive documentation, for example, which is not to say that you shouldn't have contracts and it's not to say that you shouldn't have documentation. But given the choice, we'd rather really talk to people. We'd rather really communicate and collaborate. We'd rather focus on building something that works really well. And that's what it really means at the highest level. What falls out of that then are what we would look at as methodologies, which are ways of doing that. How can you organize your teams and your people and your work to enable you to support that philosophy, that view. So people would have heard of sprints and scrum and all of these other things, all of these other sort of terms that we hear going around. They're really just kind of tools and methods for helping you support that principle. But it's the principle that's important. It's about how do we connect the person that can deliver the solution to the person that's got the problem and get them working closer and closer together as we can and get that early sight into what the solution is beginning to look like so that we can course correct really quickly and really early if we need to. I love that concept of the Agile Manifesto. I hadn't actually come across that before. So that's like quite of that philosophy could be used not just for developing software, but other walks of life, in including insurance. So I'll definitely go and take a look at that. I want to talk a bit about Claims Consortium itself. So Claims Consortium is going, or has been going for over, over 20 years, founded by Jeremy quite a large organization actually, but mostly services business. So you made that decision and I guess had that opportunity working with the AA originally to build out the technology. Can you just remind us, for those that hadn't heard the previous discussion or don't know exactly how you got there, you know, what it was that, that took the organization as a whole to move from being a services organization to actually start building product? Because they are two very different ways of running a business and growing a business. We've been running the Synergy product in our world for many, many years now. And it was conceived initially to solve that problem I talked about earlier in terms of uh, lots of different parties and people involved in a claim. How do we get them together? How do we get them talking, communicating, collaborating all the way through for the for the benefit of the customer? And over the years, as we've used and shown that software to many people, we've had a number of people come along and say, hey, that's a great product. Have you ever thought about leasing it? Have you ever thought about putting it on the market? 
what then happened for us is as COVID arrived and, and we all went into lockdown and so on, we took that opportunity to give ourselves a bit of brain space to think about, well, okay, we've got this product and it works really well for us, but how do we now lift it up into a place where it can be offered out to other people? And it was at around the same time that we got talking to the team at the AA who had a, a strategy to look at reinsourcing their household claims operation, that is, but hadn't quite been able to find a product that was the right fit for them. Uh, but having seen what we could do with Synergy, that's where our relationship started to, to develop. And it was one of those beautiful pieces of timing where the product that they wanted was the product that we were building. And what's not unique about that story, but it's notable about that story is this concept of an organization that's, as you said, built something because you had a need yourselves and then realized that that itself could be a product. And, and there are companies out there that have completely reinvented themselves on the uh, on, on the back of that. And also, I guess for you personally, what you've been doing, you've got the benefit of being an entrepreneur in a sense, or an entrepreneur inside a, a larger organization. But in effect, you're a startup. You've got your first client. The client's commissioned you to build a product. How has that experience been? I'm sure, I know that in the development community, you talk a lot to other people. But you know, what have been the pros and cons of doing it that way versus some of the other ways that people might be building products? Yeah, definitely. And we are a true startup. We are a sort of standalone business within the group in, in our own way. And so I'm responsible for a P&L and, and all of the things that go with it. So a startup in any form is challenging. Where we've benefited greatly, though, from being part of the group is financial stability. I think a lot of the other supporting pieces that we have around it. So whereas many startups will have a dozen or, or half a dozen people that have to do everything, including making sure everybody gets paid and all of the other stuff. We have the great benefit of a, of a suite of teams around us that help us do all of those things. And more importantly, or just as importantly, 250 to 300 claims experts that we can call out to for uh, advice or help or input in terms of how our products need to be shaped in terms of what they need to look like which is really one of the things that I think sets us apart as a product from from some of the other insurance and technology products out there on the market, because that's the world that we've come from. And myself and my team have been building claims technology hand in glove and alongside claims professionals for, for many years already before we came into this world. So that, that's been a great advantage for us in terms of getting our product ready. Yeah, and I'm sure a great benefit working with Jeremy. I mean, he's a true entrepreneur in the sense that he built the main business claims consortium. He's invested in Synergy. He's been acquiring WeatherNet and just looking for the opportunity and then figuring out all the different ways, organic, internal growth, the acquisitions to build a business. Could you describe the, the typical workflow from a claims from the first notification of loss or ethanol through to, through to settlement and how Synergy supports that? The claims journey is fairly simple at the highest level. We start with a notification. A customer has contacted you and they've contacted you for a reason. Sometimes that won't always be a claim. Sometimes it'll be advice. Sometimes things will change. Maybe it won't proceed for whatever reason. Assuming we goes into that, we move past that phase. We then go into a more detailed sort of triage. And what we talk about is the FNOL. This is about really understanding what's happening, what event has occurred that's triggered your customer to call on their insurance policy. And this is often the most important part because it's the step in the process that's going to set the journey for the rest of the claim. And if you can get that bit right and get the journey set in the right direction and get the right pair of hands or the right support to your customer quickly, everything else is going to go a lot smoother further down the line. It then becomes about the mechanics of how do we 
repair uh, damage to a building? How do we replace a lost or stolen mobile phone or laptop or so on, or whatever the cause might necessarily be? If we can get that upfront piece correct, if we can capture the right information that we need, if we can be doing that with the customer in mind, the rest of the process can run really smoothly thereafter. For us, it's about how do we provide a platform that has a collection of kind of modules or different features within it that can be used to support with different parts of that journey according to what somebody needs, according to the gap that they might have in their process, and how do we make that easy to deliver? I just want to come back a little bit about claims handlers, organizations, they're already doing this, they have systems of some kind, hopefully they're not paper-based anymore. Quite big, though, for you to come in or for anybody to come in and say, here's a new claims platform. I mean, how do you help them move from what they've got today to what they've got tomorrow? And that probably has to happen overnight if they're going to have a continuity of business. If we took claim notification as an example, a process where maybe we want a customer to be able to self-register a claim online. If you were to look at the totality of what you like that process to look like, it can, can be a bit daunting because you might say, well, for the customer to be able to log the claim, well, actually, I've got to validate their policy. I've got to get that claim notification. I've got to put it into my back office system. There's lots of stuff that I've got to do if I want to make all of that work. So the way we've looked at it is to say, well, okay, there's probably several levels at which you could potentially do that. If your first priority is, I need to find a way of letting a customer self-register a claim, well, we can put up a really simple version of that day one that maybe doesn't necessarily need any integrations into other systems, but is enough to begin the claim journey to ask the right questions to give you that right jumping off point. And once you have that part of it established, it becomes a lot more straightforward to then go, okay, well, let's do the next step. Let's see if we can get our policy information into the system so that we can help do a bit of decision making about policy cover. And let's run with that for a while. Then maybe we might say, okay, well, now let's look at integrating the, the handoff from the software into the back office systems and bring those pieces in. So for us, it's really about how do we really quickly get the software up and running and start to get value out of it? And how do we try and remove as many as the obstacles we can from enabling us to do that quickly? Yeah, because very few people, well, nobody really can repair and replace one system and bring another one in. And that also links to something else you, I know you do, which is this modular approach. And I, I think there's two parts to this. So one is just building in that modular way you described, but also, and you, you alluded to this slightly before, but the choice between build versus buy when you're creating the product. So can you just talk a little bit about how do you make the choice and what kind of choices are there when you go out and look at components, for example, using images to assess the, the first notification of loss or other, other things you might, or a claims handler might need to review and assess a claim? The market is really rich at the moment with capabilities like that. And what we really see is a, is a kind of commoditization of that sort of ability. It used to be the case, perhaps, that if you wanted to buy any software system, a claim system, whatever it might be, you would typically be buying a large enterprise scale piece of software and you'd have to choose which one you were going for. And once you'd chosen, that was it. Today, we're in a much better, more flexible place where there's a wealth of individual pieces of software that can do those various jobs for you. So it's about then finding the way to get them to work together for you. And it's one of the things that we've worked really hard on in our product is our ability to integrate seamlessly and quickly with other technologies. So 
you know, if a customer has already got a piece of uh, image recognition software and they're using that to do something, brilliant, that's great. Let's integrate that into the flow and make those work together, make it even more powerful. And we do this ourselves. Uh, so when we're building our product, we've run something recently where we've built uh, an integrated video calling solution into our platform. Now, there's no way that we were going to go and write video calling capability ourselves because actually there are many different places where we can just buy that in as a commodity and plug it into our system. We happen to use one that's uh, made by a company called Twilio, the proper sort of cloud-first telco type company. And I think it's this kind of mindset about saying, well, uh, what's the value I'm trying to get out of this platform change? What are the key problems that I'm trying to solve? What are those individual commodity capabilities that I need to bring together to really make that process work? And can I work with a set of partners that are going to enable that to happen for me? And that's kind of the direction I think we see the market starting to go in now. And it's, it's certainly the kind of place that we want to be and what we're doing with the partners that we work with. And it's the thing that's coming up a lot, no surprise, is about how do those different components integrate? And I'm going to say everybody, certainly everybody who's listening to us, understands the value of APIs. But we use that term quite loosely. And, and the reality is, of course, you know, different APIs have got different qualities, there's different levels of complexity about how do you integrate. I'm sure some of the tools you're talking about, and certainly you know, we're doing this through Riverside, we could be doing it through Zoom, it integrates very seamlessly into, into the working day. Can you talk a little bit about, you've got two dimensions here, I'm oversimplifying it, but you've got the, the capability of the product itself. So you mentioned your video calling product. You've also got the integration capability. And so where are we today? Or when you look out at there, the components you want to use, have we by and large solved that integration capability? Or is it still a really important part of what you look for as to how, yeah, either how robust the API is, how sophisticated it is, or if there's other ways of connecting? They need to have that. And that's still quite a high threshold for when you go and make those choices of, of the components you're, you're plugging into uh, Synergy Cloud. I talked earlier on about there being kind of two customers involved, and it's it's true for insurance. There there might be an insurer that we might be working with. There's a there's a customer also who who has a problem. From a technology point of view, that same model might be true, but there's actually a third customer here, and the third customer is the developer who's trying to integrate with your product. They're a customer too, right? So how do you make their life easier? So for us, it was about saying, okay, we're going to invest in building a proper developer portal that has all of our APIs in there. They're all self describe it's super easy to sign up you can get into a test system and try them out they're all self-documenting the documentation is never out of date because it's live and real and sort of self-maintaining as you go and so that interface if you like is just as important as the front end that your users might see when they're using the system because it's another customer who's going to interact with your product and i think if we go into that with that mindset that the developer who's integrating with your product is another customer and you've got to make their life easy too all of those integrations start to become a lot simpler to do and i think most of the modern products that we see coming to market are are increasingly going in that way. How do you personally know which applications work and which don't? Again, I know it's a very strong community, but is there a kind of TripAdvisor or Trustpilot or Google ratings guide? So when you're looking for your your video calling application, you, you've got some trusted independent source that can help you identify whether one solution is better than another across different dimensions of what you need to use it for. There are things out there that do that kind of stuff. But for me, it's really simple. It's the developer customer test. So take the video piece, for example. We looked at a number of different providers 
And the asset test was really simple. Could I go online? Could I create an account myself? Could I just plug a credit card in to get going? Could I download the API documentation? Could I get started? How far could I get just by myself without anyone else's help? And if the answer was actually, do you know what? You can get a pretty long way. And then when I need some help, there's someone on the end of the phone who's going to help me out and understands what it is I'm trying to do. That's the test, right? That's how you know it's going to work. As soon as you're going to the product website and there's not even a link for an API and I can't see where I download the information or I've got to wait two weeks for someone to send me a document that's two months out of date and doesn't work anymore, then you're going to go, well, not, not so much. Uh, this, this is not where it needs to be these days. The demand is much higher. The standard that you need to meet is much higher these days in, in, in that sense. Yeah, I guess we're all used to that in our personal lives. If you want a streaming service, Spotify or Tidal, you, you, just, you do that. And I'm just thinking, actually, the, probably the best example of that most recently is ChatGPT, you know, a very intuitive question bar that exploded in terms of use because people have gone in there understood that's slightly different than a developer. But it comes back to our earlier point about at the end of the day, people are people, and it may be business to business, it may be consumer, but but they need it to be easy. When Jeremy and I were talking before, that was just coming through COVID, and you'd built uh, Synergy Cloud with EAA during COVID. And I think one of the things that I remember from that is the power you had engaging with your clients, but it turns out you never actually met them at that point face-to-face. What's the balance now between the benefits of doing it via remote digital versus face-to-face when you're building a product and want to engage with a customer? Funnily enough, we just went down to see the team at the AA at their offices for the first time about three weeks ago. That's the first time we've actually been been to the office location and, and we've been working together for coming up for three years now. What it enabled us to do was to really work as one team because everybody was in the same place. I think it actually helped us because what could have happened otherwise is the sort of the default human behavior being, oh, we need to have a meeting where we get together. And so let's all travel to meet somewhere, bearing in mind we're a good sort of 200 odd miles apart from each other. And we probably would have only done it every month or two months or so on. As it was, we were meeting every week and and almost every day as individuals in between that. And, And we've kept that going since. So it's really helped us to build a really strong team together between both companies. Everybody will know in the UK, but for the American, Americans and anybody outside the UK, it's the Automobile Association that have their own insurance organisation. So that's certainly more in the motor and they offer some more personal lines. But but as you, with Synergy Cloud, what, what's the sort of extent of where you can help people in terms of the actual coverage they're providing by line of business that can be managed through Synergy Cloud? Our aim at the beginning was to make something that was as flexible and malleable as we could. So whilst naturally we've come from household, because that's what we know really well, and there are certainly some of those kind of domain-specific features in there, you know, we understand how building repair works and we've got dedicated capability for those things. But to a greater or lesser degree, a claim is a claim and it requires the same high level process, a notification, a triage, a a discussion, uh, some workflow, some routing, some planning. There's probably some supply chain. There's some third parties. We've got to understand finances. We've got to think about settlements and excesses. We may have to overlay policies and rules and limits and other things in there. And a, a lot of the concepts are really reusable whether that's across different lines of business from personal to commercial through health and injury and so on or whether it's from a scale point of view from simple to complicated and we always have to remember that simple doesn't necessarily 
correlate with the cost either because there can be low cost claims that are really complicated and high cost claims that are actually really simple it's about the people it's about who's involved it's about the scenario it's about the customer at the heart of it their disposition their understanding of the journey what it is you need to put around them to support them and help them through it and that can make what might look like a simple claim actually be really complicated And so what we've done in the product in terms of how we can make the workflow flexible, how we can bring those parties together to support it, and how we've aimed to build a product that supports the claims handler to do what it is they need to do, rather than dictate a process that they must follow. Yeah, but I've got a very personal experience right now of a what we thought was going to be a simple claim that's turned out to be rather complicated, and the answer seems to be defaulting to nobody wants to take responsibility for what happened but i won't go there right now before we wrap up i want to come back to touch briefly on chat gpt but but more broadly generative ai the whole theme around the large language models and, and learning artificial intelligence we're exploring now who is looking or is using these applications for real business use in an insurance context is there anything you're working on just now or you're looking at that you can reveal that you're seeing opportunities to, whether it's part of Synergy Cloud or somewhere else at a claims consortium group where you're looking at using generative AI? Yeah, there's a couple of angles to this one. I think generative AI and chat GPTs and so on have a particular set of challenges or interesting pieces around them, which I'll come to in a minute, perhaps. One of the things that we focused on a lot recently is automation. So claims process automation. We have a bit of a philosophy that says every claim can benefit from automation at least some of the time. And what we really mean by that is How can we take what can be a labor-intensive process sometimes and add automation capability in all the way through to just ease that process, reduce the administrative burden, and let people focus on what's important, which is your customer? And so in those places, we need systems to make decisions. Uh, Sometimes those are really simple and rule-based. So can I approve this payment? Well, as long as X, Y, Z things have happened, then yes, you can. Other things are slightly more complicated. The customer sent me a photo of the damaged phone handset. Do I think that photo is genuine or not? That's a bit harder. And so that's where we're looking at tooling that can help us answer that question. And these are more kind of machine learning AI type of uh, capabilities. Uh, Microsoft, various others of them have the kind of capabilities that can help with that. And so those can help answer those specific questions in the process. I think generative AI is... Something that we're looking at and watching really closely and carefully. I think it's fascinating. On my mind with those things would be things like privacy, confidentiality. If it's having to learn from information you feed it, well, whose information is going in there and, and what's the impact of you feeding that information and where does it go? These things will occasionally very, very confidently and concisely give you the wrong answer. So it's about being it's about being eyes open to that. And, and what are you going to use it for? I've heard people talk about using it to provide a quick summary of a, of a case in a particular point. And maybe that's helpful because it can do a bit of speed reading for you. Would you want to put it in there to make a real settlement decision right now? I don't know, but I'd love to have the debate. I think it's a fascinating one to keep an eye on, for sure. Well, well, thank you. That actually links to my my next question, actually, because you've been to some of our events. Jeremy, the Synergy Cloud Group, Claims Consortium Group, been a big supporter of Instec, and we really thank you for that. Uh, And the reason I mentioned that specifically around the generative AI is we're actually going to be putting together some events around that. And as I mentioned, looking for real examples of use cases. But can you just say a few words about you know, what it is that, that led the organization to support us? And, and importantly, with these times where people are making choices about how they spend their money, why still supporting what we're doing? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the events are fantastic. It's a great way to get to meet other people in the industry and to have these kinds of discussions. So listening to some of the people that you've invited to speak and hearing their stories and, and then getting a chance to talk to them about what's going on in their world, what challenges they face and how they're approaching them in that kind of like open free community sort of space, I think is really valuable. I think there's a lot that we can all learn from each other. Whilst, you know, as a sort of suppliers and tech companies occasionally will be competitors sometimes, but we're better together, right? And we can learn a lot from each other in that way. So I think what you guys do provides a great space for that sort of stuff is, is really helpful. No, and thanks to you and your colleagues traveling, I think it was it five hours from uh, Taunton to London when the trains are running well. Uh, so you know, taking the time out to come and see us, I really appreciate you being there and and being on stage as well. And then finally, for for people now are keen to go and learn a little bit more about you, what's the, what's the next place to go to to dig into a little bit of detail around what we've been discussing? Come and talk to me. Best thing to do is to have a chat. Uh, really open to talking to anyone that's interested in, in what we're doing or or any of the topics that we've talked today. Anyone who's sort of sort of like-minded or, or wanted to talk about opportunities for AI, GPT and so on in the market, look me up on LinkedIn and, uh, and let me know. Re- really happy to have a chat with anyone. Okay. So that's, yeah, Tom Burrows, we'll put your link or put your LinkedIn link in the episode notes. And uh, and thank you for that, that offer. I've certainly enjoyed and learn a lot more talking to you. It's always intriguing to get a little bit beyond you know, the, what people see uh, on the sort of the product level and really understand what's going on in the background. Well, Tom, I appreciate it. It's getting to the end of the day in Friday. Uh, you've got to go and dig out your flags and uh, get the bunting for your celebrations down there for our, our King's coronation. But I look forward to seeing you again face-to-face. Uh, I'd love to come down and see you actually down in Taunton. I love it down in the West Country. And thank you very much for joining us. Not at all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, this episode was brought to you from Portugal, recorded amongst a row of orange trees and edited under a parasol at Villa Monte. Now, you can find more about Tom and Synergy Cloud with the details in the episode notes. Or for this and everything else you need to know about Instec, you can find that on the website, www.instec.co. Now, finally, we're very grateful for all our members for supporting us. But what really keeps us going is your comments, ratings, and support for the podcast. So please do tell us what you think. Matthew Grant on LinkedIn or any of us. Hello at instec.co. That's it. We're done. <laughs>